I can confirm it is recording and the numbers are moving. So we're good. Right. Pod Save the King! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and in Royals, no, not Royal Banquet, State Visit, All Excitement Week, um, there is lots to talk about with Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers. Russell, lovely to see you again. Good afternoon. On this sunny, clear winter Thursday, which looks lovely outside the office window, but we're in here and you're you're at home in your kitchen, I think, or somewhere, somewhere. Uh, I'm not. I'm in, I'm in a, a spare room stroke office stroke laundry room, which is, you know, <laughs> the, 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 only, the only warmth because the heating bills are so expensive. Uh, the tumble dryer is burning a hole in the ozone. <laughs> and, uh, apart from that, we're jolly, we're jolly good. So lots to talk about. This week, um, Harry and Meghan have been out and about. Sarah Ferguson's been on the telly. Um, William and Kate have been doing bits as well. But we have to start with all the glamour of the state visit. So, I mean, let's start from the beginning. What is the point of a state visit other than getting the gold razzmatazz carriages out and giving them a bit of a whirl and a polish? Well, I suppose it depends who you speak to. I mean, you and I might like the glitz and the glamour. I'm sure a lot of attention, as we'll come on to, was uh, was focused on Kate's stunning cape. A couple of uh, couple of puns of Cape Middleton being oh, punned around. Well done, everybody. Well done. <laughs> I did quite enjoy that, to be honest. But uh, you know, that was a, certainly a showstopper on the first day of when William and Kate met uh, the president of South Korea and the first lady at their London hotel before the state visit kicked off. But what is the point of them? I suppose when you've got um, maybe some uh, the the US president for one, when Trump was here, that was a huge fanfare. I mean, I've never seen a traveling pack like it. I mean, the US um, traveling press call that came over on Air Force One were was absolutely huge. Dwarfed our numbers anyway. And then you had um, when you have, I suppose, the senior European. Presidents and chancellors and prime ministers of the people who come over from Europe. And that's all about sort of unity with our nearest neighbours, isn't it? And, and and often this is done at the behest of the government. And so some may say, uh, why was the first state visit when Charles was uh, became king uh, last year? That was South Africa, that we welcomed the president of South Africa. Um, uh, and that was that. Um, firstly, that was long in the diary. But again, um, much like the trip to Kenya, I suppose, it's about sort of broadening our horizons to the post-Brexit world and trying to make sense of all the trade deals and whatnot. And uh, very interesting that, he, that we saw Lord Cameron of Chipping Norton getting one of his first outings. He was, uh, he was there on hand with the former Foreign Secretary, now Home Secretary, James Cleverly. And the, uh, the Prime Minister sandwiched in between them, um, looking very jolly the other day. And I suppose it is about not only the strengthening of ties, but signing trade trade deals and uh, talking about uh, deals for the future, relationships very much in the tech sector. South Korea, amazing place if you've never been. I've been very fortunate to go to Seoul a couple of times. It is absolutely one of my favourite cities. I mean, talk about chic. You have this real culture among South Korea, especially the younger population of being very, very well turned out, very well dressed. Very, culture is a big thing, reverence to uh, to your elders. And I, I just loved it. The sort of food culture out there is as well um, is really, really enjoyable. Um, and you look you look at sort of the 
the history, of course, the South Korean president, um, Mr. Suk Yul Yoon, was meeting full uh, vet- veterans of the Korean War at Westminster Abbey. There was a sort of a packed program taking him to Buckingham Palace. There was the carriage rides, obviously the state banquet, bringing out all the, I was about to say, fine china, but it's like the, the fine gold, the big gold plates and the polished silver and whatnot in the state um the state banquet ballroom um and so you have you you have a multitude of facets going on and i suppose this one raised eyebrows because i suppose mr yoon has has come into some criticism about his politics but uh but certainly when there's talk of the the south uh saudi arabia um uh shake coming over in due course then um then he's probably well down on the scale and uh, the banquet, glamorous in very many different ways. And then Charles gets to make a speech as well. I mean, we have to love a mention for Gangnam Style. And now for me, any mention of Gangnam Style always makes me think of Ed Bulls. Longtime listeners of this show will know that I'm a massive Strictly Come Dancing fan. And Ed Bulls, who was a, you know, a Labour MP for a long time, um, did famously did Gangnam Style really brilliantly and to much to the surprise of everybody. And I would love to see King Charles doing a similar number. I think that would be very <laughs> entertaining. Next week's Royal Variety Show, perhaps. Well, sign him up. I mean, it's interesting because Mr. Yoon had, um, had sort of garnered a lot of attention for his karaoke skills. He's a big karaoke fan. And when he was visiting US President Joe Biden, he sang American Pie and it, all, all the, the press corps and all the guests at the, uh, I suppose it was a, a, a banquet, similar sort of do. He was, uh, he was sort of lauded as, um, as, as being the star of the show. There was no singing this time. I did see a report saying that there was been some requests made to the British government or indeed the palace about whether he could sing. And that was kindly <laughs> um, sort of put to the side because I'm not too sure whether... You know, Charles and Camilla would have um, would have got involved, and it might have been a bit awkward. But h- however, you, you talk about the gang name style. There's very very interesting Charles's speech using the grandeur of Buckingham Palace, sort of throwing in somewhat unexpected references to to Korean pop culture. I'm sure they were on his the, playlist all the time. Absolutely, the the, the K-pop genre is uh, is belting out in the in the in behind palace walls. But it, he was very very much saying that. Not only that, both he and the president in their youth were uh, were fans of the Beatles and Queen and Elton John. That they were taught, he was then referencing it to pop culture. And the reason that uh, he was saying that is because the the band Blackpink, which I'm sure you are a huge aficionado of, and um, have not only made huge strides in their own genre, um, but the the members. Can you name one member of Blackpink? I mean, no. I mean, I'm going to get. I'm going to give you them. There's Jenny, Giso, Lisa, and Rose, and they have not only become huge, huge sort of legends in the K-pop world, but they have um, they have sort of been honoured by the UN and not only their their, their own country, but with the UN as well. Um, and Charles later on in the week, given honorary MBEs in front of the president and the first lady for their work with climate change and sustainability. And you may ask, like, why, uh, I suppose, pop stars do get involved in sort of climate change. It's the order of the day for many of them. But they have, you know, not only a huge, huge youth following, it's, their following is running into millions. The industry is now running into billions and billions of dollars. And I suppose their role as climate change activists is really opening up the conversation to a new group. And it's sort of transcended the generations in in Asia 
and um, and they've become UN advocates, and they were a huge advocates for um, the UK's presidency of uh, of COP when we had it here in Glasgow, and uh, and that's followed through, and they were invited to be guests at the state banquet, and when very very sweet clip actually, you haven't seen it, I think it's on Sky News um, Twitter profile. Um, when Charles was mentioning them, they all sort of turned around to each other. They were sitting at opposite sides of the, the room and they turned around to each other and they couldn't sort of believe that they had been mentioned. And then, of course, they got an invite to Buckingham Palace and were awarded these honorary MBEs, which incidentally has been quite a controversial point, which Tell I don't why. agree with because I think that, well, who gets MBEs normally? It's the stalwarts of communities. It's those sort of uh, local heroes, teachers who have served you know, 30, 40, 50 years, giving their lives to education. And, you know, we are now giving them to pop stars, which isn't unusual, I suppose. But therefore, people, most people have probably never heard of Blackpink and certainly not expected the Coldstream guards to be playing it outside on the forecourt of Buckingham Palace. But it is interesting that Charles does really recognise that he has to sort of broaden his horizons, maybe play into the youth vote a little bit if they're going to, survive and not uh, thrive and not just survive to coin a phrase from um for the whole royal family they need to attract sort of a wider audience and that is very very true of not only the uh the k the k-pop um groups and stars and their work with activism but it's also very very true of the royal family and i think that that's it's a clever move by charles because that will have got picked up massively across asia and it sort of opened up him, I suppose, and what his ideals are and talking to young people about climate change, something that he's been, as he would say in his own words, banging on about for the last 50 years. And now he's finally been listened and proved right. And I think that um, you know, fair play to me, using an opportunity, uh, exploring a new avenue. And um, I, I was all for it. I think the Coldstream guys, they love playing something new and a bit exciting, a bit of pop in there. They enjoy, enjoy sharing that. Um Let's talk about the outfits. White tie, tiaras, very glamorous tail suits. And I thought just about everybody was looking very fantastic and sort of lots of nice nods back to the past. Um, a new tiara for Kate. I mean, it's new to Kate, definitely not new to the royal family because it was a wedding gift to um, the woman who we mainly know as the Queen Mother, um, Elizabeth Bowes-Lyon, on her wedding day from her father. So it was last seen in 1930, but it was her wedding was 100 years ago, so back in Gosh. 1923. And I do love the versatility of some of the jewellery that is in the royal collection of, you know, tiaras that you can take apart and turn into earrings and this, that and, and the other and make them a bit more uh, reusable. But this one you can either wear sort of in your hair as uh, as Kate had done, sort of perched on the top, or you can wear it more as a little nice, um, I guess, 1920s flapper style across your across your forehead. Um, so we look forward to seeing her doing it in that style at some future occasion. And I mean, I thought her Jenny Packham dress was just gorgeous as well just white and the the gold detailing and it's I and mean, we talk about it in when the royals are out in sort of day-to-day -day wearing white and cream and um you know th that's not that's not our normal our normal wear although probably it would hide the toothpaste stains from our small children rather well i mean um, i would i would be terrible i'd just spill my gravy down it <laughs> at the state banquet i would I would not be wearing something like that. It was absolutely flawless, wasn't it, the outfit? But she did look absolutely incredible. And 
again, lots of attention on on Kate's um, outfits of the day. That became the big pictures. Her legs. I mean, oh, we yes. should Getting talk about the them because they were on the they were on the front page of every uh, paper, and they got a lot of attention. Does it detract from the seriousness of the event? I mean, she's it was a show stopping dress. She got out of the car. It wasn't her legs were bare. I suppose photographers are there. The, the probably the commentary about it afterwards was like, how does Kate look so great? Here are her fitness tips, and she's doing CrossFit and tennis and. Gosh, I mean, it's made me exhausted just reading it, her sort of fitness regime, to be honest. Well, it's, it's interesting I, you I don't say think that. it does. I think you, you, you can have kind of the fashion as we do, and you can have the seriousness and you can have the context of, of what it's all about. I mean, I know some people are probably a bit wild about it, and perhaps rightly so, but that if you, you can find what you want, can't you? Because we're talking about the reasons why the state, um, uh, state visits happen, or why South Korea was here specifically. Um, and you can speak about the dress and the jewellery and, and the incredible tiaras that have been seen since 1930 as well. You've oh. got to enjoy the glitz and the glamour. I mean, you know, when you grow up watching Disney princesses, you're not thinking about the state visits, are you? You're thinking about the balls and the golden, you know, the glass slippers and the, all of the all of the all of the sparkle. I mean, I was at a christening on on Sunday, and literally all of all of these probably I think there were four year olds designing their own crowns and putting gems all over it so I think they would have been loving all of the pictures from the uh from the state dinner um so yeah Kate and uh, the little sort of capey sleeves on her on her dress as well it was oh loved it I mean some of her okay some of her state dinner uh dresses have not been the best that sort of blue ruffled number that looked like the top of a toilet roll holder still sticks in my memory but this one was absolutely um smashing I thought the Queen, Camilla, I thought she looked fantastic as well. I really enjoyed the simplicity of her dress and the way, I mean, her hair colour with that ruby and diamond Burmese tiara and all of the bling of rubies and diamonds in the necklace and the earrings as well. I just thought it looked absolutely stunning, like really simple in some ways, but just like um, classy classy so it's a red velvet evening well, dress I if, you're gonna, if you're gonna start wearing jewelry probably you know worth a billion pounds or whatever it is and medals the size of a baked bean tin you, you've <laughs> got to try and have a bit of simplicity and i and i liked i like the, the contrast i suppose you know fair. look at me getting involved in the fashion but kate, kate wearing her hair very simple it kind of complemented the the whole sort of sim- simplistic look of the uh of the jenny packing dress i suppose um, I'm looking into the sort of the background on the tiara, I really enjoyed uh, finding a little bit more out about that. So, the people of Burma gave, chose to give rubies to Princess Elizabeth when she married the Duke of Edinburgh in 1947, um, and they gave her so it was 96 rubies to protect from 96 diseases, and those rubies were made into the Burmese tiara. And how old was the Queen when she died? She was 96. 96. So you know, good pub quiz questions. Who who who? Ninety six rubies. 90, did they know something back in nineteen forty seven? Who knew? Um, Nostradamus. I know. Day. I know. So I just thought that was a, a nice little ooh, interesting, interesting note. Uh, Princess Anne as well. A little bit of a throwback in her outfit. So her her dress was from her 70th birthday portrait and the bolero jacket with it. But she was wearing a brooch that her brother had bought for her as a wedding present back in 1973. So that's, I mean, that's 50 years ago. Um, obviously, that the marriage didn't last, but she still wears that um, still wears that brooch. So that was rather nice. Um, and Sophie, 
like, I mean, getting another wear out of her coronation outfit. We talked about the Queen wearing her coronation outfit to the King's speech recently, but Sophie wore her Susanna coronation dress. So looking just as glamorous as last time. And hers was the aquamarine tiara, which has only ever been seen on her as a member of the royal family and it's assumed to be part of her private collection i mean i'd really like it if actually it was just from claire's accessories or something and it's just like costume jewelry but it looks like bling i suspect it's actually real and a massive aquamarine in the middle of it and not available for me to buy on my budget but there we go she looked um stunning no sign of prince edward though because he was away on a trip to the southern hemisphere um relatively low-key low profile which quite often is the way with um edward and sophie so he missed out on all of that all of that fine food bit of windsor pheasant and such like <laughs> well i said yeah no not only the state banquet it's uh we do get invited to the previews but not the uh not obviously sitting down at the top table wearing white tie and whatnot but it's interesting that that um prince edward wasn't there of course he's he is in uh singapore then he was in new zealand he is he probably back today or tomorrow yeah he's back later today um he's been in uh, australia and he's sort of talking to the aussies about the duke of edinburgh award of course he is uh running running the ship now uh it's after his namesake isn't it of the, the new awards and um it's the 60th anniversary in uh in australia of the of the awards and so i think that um i suppose the whole the whole awards it's the 60th anniversary and so i guess Possibly um, under the radar, not going on this week, state visit, and of course, and um, Kate's dress and whatnot. But I think, they, should, do we want to see more of Sophie and Edward? They yes. do a lot of things at the moment and they're going under the radar, especially Sophie. And I'm looking at sort of her her um, engagements, certainly the international ones recently. She's been to Ethiopia, she was in Iraq earlier this year. She has gone, uh, she's due to go... Oh, I suppose I, I should check whether I can tell you where she's going next oh. next week. Well, top. Well, you're looking um, at that. I'm going to just say. Like, I, think, like, I think we've I been saying for a while that. Yes, you... I can check. I can. I can. I can reveal she is going to visit the Republic of Colombia um, next week. She's going from Tuesday to Friday. She's going at the request of the Foreign and Commonwealth and Diplomatic Office. She's going to in, undertake engagements in Bogota and Cali in support of Women, Peace, and Security Agenda. Um, continuing her work to champion the survivors of conf- conflict-related sexual violence and the rights of women and girls. And I think that that's very interesting. Uh, she's also going with um, Lord uh, Tariq Ahmed of Wimbledon, who is the P- PM Special Representative on Preventing Sexual Violence in Conflict. Um, and she's also going with a couple of ministers as well. So this is very, very like government business. So why are why is there not more attention on Sophie. Why has uh, Buckingham Palace only just released this information? Is it because they didn't want to detract from you know, the big uh, visits going on? We've just had Kenya, we've had the state visit, no doubt we're leading up to Christmas, but that that is pretty, pretty important work, I would say, for Sophie. And there's been long talked up, and it's not just journalists, there's people in the palace who really get on with her, so she's really hardworking. The things she's talking about and working um, around very diligently deserve more of a spotlight shone on them and I think it's a big shame that um, there won't be sort of any traveling media but um, perhaps that's one for another day let's see what she's up to next week and we'll come back to it. Uh, one quick question on it um, it's not cheap to tra- you know when you travel with the king it's not like he's paying for you you have to pay to to 
be with the with the trip yes, and those, those, no, and those trips are not cheap do you i mean no. do you think there would be appetite for people i mean you know a trip to australia with prince edward would not be cheap or a trip to colombia with sophie would not be cheap i mean do you think there is appetite for people to I mean, spend not, that money yeah, and do listen, that coverage I'll, I'll break it down for you you know it costs it costs a lot of money to go to kenya and it would cost an even more far far exceeds that amount going to singapore new zealand um, I mean, Edward. I mean, is he a minor royal? Is he? I'm using a line out of the Crown uh, when Charles called uh, Andrew. What did he call it? a fringe royal? <laughs> and I, I suppose so. Edward and Sophie are they fringe royals? Should they be brought in? I mean, they shouldn't let's take be. it back. They shouldn't be. They, they, should, they should be the. Bridge. They shouldn't be fringe, or they shouldn't be. They, they should not be fringe. I think they're quite important because you've got Charles and Camilla who are in their seventies. You've got yep. William and Kate who are in their 40s with young children. And then you've got Edward and Sophie in the middle. And they're doing interesting things. Like totally. everybody, everybody knows what the Duke of Edinburgh Awards are. And as, at a basic level, Edward's working on that. So that is interesting. And Sophie's engagement with, you know, going to some relatively dangerous places, actually, in the past, frankly, and engaging with issues. You know, if Meghan had still been as a working royal as well, they would have had probably to fight it out a little bit about who owned some of those spaces because they have quite a lot of overlap in in their interests but you know Sophie is doing that work and yeah I guess I don't know it's, it's sort of a bit chicken and egg at a, at a basic level they should have their own social media accounts like you know yeah, doing, yeah 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 in, definitely. in terms well, of how people are engaging with things nobody's gonna hear about what they're up to there's been very very sparse um coverage in in the Australian media and, and New Zealand media. And the issue is that both um, Edward and Sophie are there on taxpayer coin. You know, we are paying for them to be out there. No doubt they are working diligently and doing very important work. But what really, who is benefiting from this? Are we seeing uh, tangible benefits that we would see if the king and the queen went or the Wales is? And are they fringe royals if they are fringe royals well why are they um should we have people support uh, going with them should we you know even the press association hasn't gone with them that tells you about the, the fact that it's an expensive trip um and we don't really know what they're up to and and let me just clarify something this is not for want of asking bp and i think the, the trouble is again we can come on to this next week but the trouble is that there is a definitely with a lot of focus, as you would expect, on the king and the queen and coming out of the, the first transitional year and the Waleses and their new roles and what that means. You know, William talking about we're just concentrating on the bigger picture rather than spreading ourselves too thinly. He said that they're going to be working on a smaller number but larger projects, no doubt Earthshot shaping us. And so where does that leave Sophie and Edward? Is there... For instance, is there an unwillingness to publicise their endeavours because it might overshadow the King and Queen? I don't think that that's necessarily the truth, but it's interesting that there is an appetite, especially for Sophie. She is a mod, she's still a modern face of the royal family, I would argue. Um, glamorous as well. Uh, she is of a certain age, so she kind of transcends those boundaries, not only with the work that she's doing, but because of her... Uh, sort of age, he's neither old nor young, is he? So I think that's fair to say. Um, and so I, I, I think there is 
uh, an awful lot of interest in the work that she is doing. Is there crossover with the Queen's work that, yes, there, there might be, but I'm, we're not going to see Camilla going out on her own to Iraq and uh, to Africa and South America. So there, there, is a, there is something that should be explored here. And I think that the royal family are missing a trick mentioned Megan in relation to Sophie. Yeah, we saw Harry and Megan having a lovely time at the ice hockey the other day in Vancouver, the Canucks versus the Sharks and Harry doing the puck, the puck drop just like the Queen did um, back in the day so it was nice to see and the, it, he was well into it like when the girl went in and celebrating and I have to say I, I, I love watching ice hockey live it's great I can't I can't get down with watching it on TV but live it is um it's fierce it's a lot of fun um we saw Megan on the red carpet last week as well at um, a big red carpet glitzy event and sp- actually sp- speaking to journalists as well about suits which is quite unusual um and well, know, well I mean it's it's this, it's it's the flavor of the moment isn't it suits so you might as well capitalize on it because I think that just talking about, yeah, we've got loads of projects in the pipeline. I mean, what what are, what are they working on? They might have lots of interesting things in the pipeline, but I suppose we are waiting waiting with bated breath to see what they come up with because it's it's been a bit of a bit of a stop start year for them, hasn't it? And last week we were talking about the uh, the early bits from Endgame, the new Omid Scobie um, book. What sort of other bits and pieces have we had the, the sort of I guess the insight everyone's interested in what insight can we gain into the relationships between them and the other royals and what the state of things is and how things broke down and is there a, a possibility of reconciliation I mean I think that's where the ultimate interest in it all lies isn't it yeah I mean I was expecting a three days worth of serialization in people magazine and it was only one and if that was the strongest of the lot of what the book has got i i don't hold high hopes to be honest because i think we knew a lot of it even from harry's book himself i mean you can't get more explosive than coming from harry can it and there, there, there really wasn't a lot of insight and i thought that that showed i don't it just didn't take it on for me i mean people will read it people will be interested in it we my have a sort of fleeting conversation about it but it didn't really capture the attention because i felt that nothing will top (laughs) coming from harry's mouth by his book i suppose and the fact that yeah he felt pushed out we knew he we knew about the 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 fact that he was begging the royal family to either travel with the whales and they cut him out and they didn't want to travel with him fair enough and the fact that he didn't find out about his grandmother's death until he landed and then we, we also know after that, that Anne was the only one to sort of escort him up to see his grandmother after she'd passed away. So, it, it, what can, what can be bigger than that? I mean, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, we know that he feels pushed out. We know the reasons why the royal family don't want to engage with them. But what I think what is very interesting is there is definitely a lot of briefing going on from Team Sussex to certain friendly media. Um, and other people on the periphery as well speaking. And that is, of, I think, is sanctioned by Meghan and Harry because they're trying to sort of almost rehabilitate their uh, reputation, not only in the eyes of the family, but the eyes of the world to say, listen, we've, we've had our grievances, but we would accept invitations to come for Christmas, whether they're going to be forthcoming. Good luck. If they are. Well, you know what? They might be forthcoming. But I, I bet you if that happens, that the Waleses will end up spending time with the Middletons. And so if Harry and Meghan are there, then, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility, if they're there, 
um, then you won't see the Waleses there on Christmas Day. No chance. It's one or the other at the moment. But the people we are expecting to see are Camilla's family. Yes, and I, I, it was interesting that. I mean, it's, it's, whether that is, there's reports during the week about this, you know, trying to get a bigger table in. I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've got big tables where that in Sandy, get the one but, down from the loft that you normally use yeah, for your homework yeah, and all of that stuff that goes a, on at Christmas. Somebody's got to sit on a kitchen school. school <laughs> somebody's sitting on a beanbag. Um, you, you know, the mum and dad are running around. Dad's drinking. Mum's pouring the uh, uh, cutting the turkey or whatever. But I, th- I think there is there is a possibility of this sort of blended family coming together once more, and I think that that should be celebrated. You know, we talk about uh, relevance for the royal family, and that is certainly a relevance of a blended family coming together and spending Christmas together. And I think if that did happen, then it kind of again gives the Waleses again. I think the Waleses, to be fair to them, haven't spent Christmas with the Middletons for quite some time because there was 2020. Surely that was COVID. Then 2021 was COVID again. That was Omicron, wasn't it? Then last year was all together at Sandringham for Christmas with the king and so they haven't spent christmas with the middleton for some time so my guess is that they might be spending christmas with the middletons because they've already had a sandringham christmas last year and then they might be knocking about norfolk later on in the christmas period oh so it'll be interesting i mean it's it's always highly political about i'm trying to trying to manage the various in-laws and such like for christmas never mind when you've had a massive row with your brother so good luck Good luck to anybody who is trying to resolve Christmas and who is spending time where. Um, if you were having some kind of a relationship issue, Russell, which member of the royal family do you think you would go to as your agony aunt? Mm, that's a good one. Um, oh, I don't know. Would I go to Kate? I mean, she's very sweet. She's a mum of three. She'd probably give you good advice, wouldn't she? I think I'd go to Camilla. Yeah, she'd probably she's, be She's on my gin list. Tell you how it is. Have the gin. And get some advice off her. I mean, she, plus also, like she's 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 lived quite a lot of life, and you know, true, true, gone yes. through it all. And I mean, the same could be said of Sarah Ferguson. She's lived quite a lot of life as well. But I'm not I'm not sure I wanted to hear her advice about how um, to put some sparkle back in your marriages. Get a lovely saucy underwear department in your chest of drawers, and mean, you really make the hair, you know blow dry the hair. Like I mean, if you have big hair this, and sexy undies, is... that is Fergie's advice. I mean, it's, I mean, it's worth enough. a go. I mean, I can... <laughs> Yeah, Christ. <laughs> just looking forward to a nice sure night's sleep just, these days, to be honest with you. But, um, <laughs> but the sort of you, mind bleach have... might be needed for this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have missed this, this is uh, Fergie was on This Morning, which is a daytime television show uh, on after the one that I appear on on occasion, must be said. <laughs> but she was a guest appearing because uh, Holly Willoughby, very famous uh, TV presenter, has left the show after 14 years. The show has had quite a lot of scandal over the past year, I would say. That was the main other main presenter, Philip Schofield, had to step back in a, a disgrace after allegations of being involved with uh, younger members of staff. And therefore, um, it kind of has left this void and they're tra- trying out different presenters, a lot of them who have appeared on the show very regularly themselves. But Fergie stepping into the hot seat and it has split opinion. It's very interesting because... The people who are working on the show, who I know, have said it, it was great to work with her. She's great. I, I've seen her. I've been on the show on the Lorraine before, where which is the show before this morning. 
Um, and she's, you know, walking around the green rooms, giving people signed copies of a book, <laughs> darling this, darling that. She's fantastic fun to be around. Um, whether she's a natural presenter, I don't know, but I definitely did think that there was some something endearing. And some people found that she was great and other people thought it was complete chaos. So whether she will be invited back, I'm not sure. However, there was a report in one of the Sunday papers very recently that she had met a very senior and respected TV producer, um, a lady called Amy Rosenblum, who met her at the New York Regency Hotel discussing future projects. Um, Fergie said, basically saying, I want my own TV show. I mean, yeah, she's, you, you never know. Watch out I'm, Lorraine. I'm sure, watch, watch out <laughs> watch, Lorraine. Watch yeah. out Lorraine. Might take my gig. And no. so, um, I think she will be welcomed back. I think that people did think that she was um, a good sport. She's a good sport. I mean, she got to meet Cliff Richard, which she was clearly very excited about, and uh, fangirling a bit over that. Uh, and had he been... was fat shaming Elvis. If you've seen oh, this dear. as well, he was. Uh, um, he said he didn't meet Elvis, who was one of his heroes, because um, he got awfully fat and he didn't <laughs> want to have his picture taken next to him. I mean. You know, I think anyone would look fat next to Cliff Richard. He's pencil thin, isn't yeah. he? So um, not, to be, not to be commenting on anyone's bodies, but I did think that Cliff sort of misread the room a little bit with that one. I mean, it was, it was very off the boil. I don't know what he was thinking. Well, there, and there had been talk about whether Fergie had been being approached to go on I'm a Celebrity and go eat, you know, go have... Oh my go, God, could you imagine? Go in with the cockroaches and all of this and the, and the challenges in the jungle, but the the sticking point being that she wouldn't talk about Andrew or something. But And obviously we've got Jamie Lynn Spears in there as well, who is, you know, obviously famously I, sis, sister I, of Britney. I'm, she's sorry. obviously there entirely on her own about... It's all about her. That's fine. It's nothing to do with Britney that she's there. But, um, you know, that's... Well, very, very much like Fergie could not help herself but talk by Andrew. She's trying to... as we know feverishly rehabilitate his reputation from afar talking about what a wonderful father he is grandfather he's uh and, and well she might because she has um she he has stood by her through her, her various misdemeanors and as i understand it from speaking to people from who are close to both of them as they still live together as you know that saying that andrew has not only really backed sarah to make a success of it, given her the confidence to put herself forward. I mean, she's got a newfound confidence of her, her 23 book deal, um, her sort of Mills and Boone style novels are doing very well. And she kind of wants to pay him back is, is how it was explained to me because he supported her through, as I say, through, uh, through, through the tr tougher times as it were. And now he's, he needs, he's the one needing support. Not only, or not only, sort of, I suppose, mentally he's lost sort of all his whole life much of his own doing but financially as well and she if she is the breadwinner able to buy five million pound abodes in uh in mayfair then um she might be the one to stump up the cash needed to keep him in royal lodge but um it's it's an interesting development for the two of them i think i know if i just find them but their relationship utterly fascinating when the whole world can pretty much be against him and she still is coming out in support of him and pretty much remaining unscathed through it got to love a trier and Fergie is definitely a trier so fair play to her for keeping going through all of the ups and downs of life um also appearing on tv in the last week was Kate opening children in need the big sort of fundraiser each year um on the BBC raising millions and millions of pounds for charity so she you know it fits with her sort of shaping us agenda and 
welcoming people and talking about the importance of you know early years and how life is difficult for some people and um wishing everybody you know kind of success on the night and their challenges i think there was some pushback of like you know why is there a royal person here telling us to go raise a load of money why can't they just fix it themselves but i don't know i think that's slightly unfair because they can't i don't know i mean they have got a load of money but they can't fix anything everything in the same way you Prince William is trying to fix homelessness and people will always say, we'll just open up the Buckingham Palace and let people go stay in those rooms in the sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't and trying to make a, a, a difference on issues that you see mattering. But in some ways, your position can be used against you when you're trying to do that. It's a bit tricky. Hmm. Yeah, I, again, it's, it's sort of the old age thing of, damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they're not supporting these causes, people are going to have a moan up. But the, the the issue is they are very, very wealthy. I mean, he's talking about the king worth two billion. Could he so, solve homelessness overnight? He probably could. He could build homeless centres all around the country. Why isn't he doing it? Why are the, why are the royals not doing more? I mean, you're talking about William saying, I want to build affordable housing. Well, is that good enough? He, he is pulling in some big, big backers for Earthshot. Undoubtedly, climate change is is, the, is arguably the biggest and most testing issue of our time. But there are people on the streets across all of our communities, and that could be solved with cash. Um, should the, should it's a government problem as well, isn't it? It's not only societal; it's a political issue. And should the, should the royals be getting involved? Too many, too many issues to to cover on the podcast. That's why I feel. But uh, yeah, William did get asked last week on his bit. How much money is in your bank account? To which he don't well, know. I did like don't that. know. I mean, kids are great, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, it's just, kids are just amazing with it. How much money you got? <laughs> it's brilliant. Oh, Maybe God, I, I should them. start asking these these questions. <laughs> you need to bring your kids along. Do some and proper get journalism. Them, get them yeah. to ask yeah. them stooges yeah. for you. Um, what have we got to look forward to next week? Because you're not going to Colombia. Well, I'm not, unfortunately. But uh, of course, we have Colombia. Um, not too much else in the diary, actually, as, as it's going. A couple of couple of things we will find out about in due course. But I, I am excited to see what what Sophie is doing in Colombia and how that sort of cuts through. Where are we going to see it? And uh, let's tune in next week to see where we're at. Good time for her to launch a new social media account. And if it's not yes. an official one, just do just do one herself, like Duchess Sophie. Why not? Just get it going. Right. Get on TikTok. <laughs> yes please uh all of it all of all of the channels we're i mean slightly sporadic on instagram a little bit at the moment i will try to be better i'm very sorry russell is very prolific on twitter and on instagram so look out for him and send him and send him messages i do see your messages if you send them so please do keep messaging at pod save um i'll try to share, be better about sharing some pictures but we do enjoy getting your messages when we have them um russell thank you very much for joining us as ever look forward to catching up with you again next week and lovely listeners thank you for joining us as well until next time pod save the king 